Good evening, folks. My name is Paul English and welcome to the third session uh, from the Scotland sessions in partnership with Screen Scotland. This series of online events celebrates some of the nominees from the BAFTA Scotland Awards taking place on Saturday, the 20th of November. Some of those nominees that we have with us tonight. Today's session is part of BAFTA's Learning, Inclusion and Talent Development Programme which aims to inspire industry practitioners, emerging talent and the public through sharing craft insights, championing underrepresented voices and exploring key issues facing the industry. If you'd like to catch up on any previous events, then head to the BAFTA Guru YouTube channel and BAFTA SoundCloud. And we're now ready to introduce our speakers. Unfortunately, we're minus one tonight, but we do have Eva Riley, writer and director of Perfect 10. Good evening, Eva. There she is, at home in Edinburgh, I believe. Yeah. And Lucy Bryden, writer and director of Body of Water. Not at home, but instead <laughs> in, tell us, Lucy. In Athens. Lucky you. Not to say too smug, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, Ben Sharrock can't be with us tonight because Ben has uh, a rather pressing engagement uh, with his other half at the maternity hospital this evening. So all the best to them. Um, should should uh, should things come to their full fruition this evening, which we hope they do. Um, so first of all, to Eva and Lucy, congratulations to you both. Uh, how what would your what was your reaction on your nomination, Lucy? I was, yeah, I was absolutely delighted. It seems really cheesy, but you're always like, oh, it, you know, sort of, it'll be lovely to win, but it was just really, it felt, it feels like a big honor to be on this list of like writers I really respect. So yeah, I was really chuffed. Eva, how was it for you? Yeah, it was great. Um, it's been a wee while since it came out and it was just like a lovely surprise at the end, kind of very end of the journey to have this. Um, and yeah, it worked really hard for me and, and the whole team as well. It was really, really chuffed. And also, it's nice to have it in Scotland as well because um, uh, I just moved back here, and it's like lovely to have a you know a celebration from Scotland. Yeah, of course. What take us into the moment? Is this like a text message? Is it an email? Is it like getting your exam results? Well, how did you find out? <laughs> um, I got I got an email. I saw it on Twitter, and then I got an email. So okay. you found it on yeah. Twitter. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you got an email. Yeah, I, I got an email, and then I checked which I hadn't been on for a long time and people like were ahead of me and ordering you so it was it was lovely right great well I, I've seen both of your your films I think they're both terrific pieces of work uh, both very moving uh, in different ways and of course both of both of the the pieces that that, that we're talking about uh, that you guys have worked on tonight, tonight are, are related in the sense that they are both you know rooted in the dynamics of the family Eva, if we could start with you first, tell us about the project origins and, and where the, the kind of the roots of that idea came from. Um, I, I had an image, I often start with an image when I'm coming up with a new idea. I had this quite strong image of a, like a, a boy and a girl on some kind of bike um, driving through the countryside. And that got me really interested. I, I thought they might be a brother and sister and I hadn't really seen much about a brother and sister before. Um, so I just started working on that idea a little bit. And then at some point I decided that the brother and sister should have some kind of like personal passions. Um, so I came, I got really obsessed with gymnastics 
I started watching a lot of gymnastics. I don't really know why, but just, you know, what it's like, you go down like a YouTube hole or whatever. I didn't have any connection to gymnastics already, but I started to get really interested in it and thought that the girls should be a gymnast. Um, and then also I was living in Brighton at the time and there's a lot of bikers, like uh, boys rolling around on mopeds and stuff and a lot of petty um, crime related to motorbikes. And I got really interested in that and um, made that the boys' passion. And these, these sort of things came together to make the origins of the story. So it was simply that the, the, the initial germ of your idea was about a boy and a girl on a moped. Yeah, I, was like, I thought it was a moped or like a bike, but then I thought eventually, yeah, it's going to be a moped. And then it's funny because actually uh, one of one of like the key images in the film, the final film, is an image like that, which is really lovely to, that we I got that in the end. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, Lucy, tell us about you. What about the the, the origins of, of Body of Water? Uh, sure, yeah. The story started out actually as a short. Um, and I wanted to look at a character that had had a sort of chronic problem well, eating issue, right? Because uh, it was something that really fascinated me and I'd sort of seen the effects of it in older people and I thought, well, I haven't actually seen that explored much on screen, if at all, really. So um, that was my starting point. Um, and I wrote it as a script and actually it got quite far in development and we got some funding and stuff. But then at the same time, I, I was uh, developing a feature idea and there was something about this character that I was like really fascinated by, which I think is... I really obviously that's a really useful thing for a writer because you you got to spend a lot of time with your character yeah. so um I was fascinated with Stephanie and then um yeah the story just came from that and I, I was just I wanted to explore how without making it like an issues movie but like thinking about how the ripple effects of that kind of across a family and particularly amongst women um could be realized so um, yeah, that's how it kind of came into being. And then, and then it got um, selected for Film London Development Programme, which is a first time feature film initiative. Uh, and then it kind of just went from there. Take, take, take us into the very starts of, 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 of the, the kind of, you know, the, the writing exploration of those characters. How do you decide kind of, you know, um, you know well, first of all, whether that you, you mentioned Eva that this started out as a short, you know, Take us through that, that moment where you realised actually there was more to this and that you were going to be, you know, the ambition for it was going to be for it to be something longer than a short. And Lucy, similarly for yourself, tell us about the first steps of, of actually writing this character, these characters. Eva, first of all. Um, yeah, no, sorry, it wasn't actually just to say, so it wasn't, I didn't see it as a short film. I think it was just like the initial idea. So I, I always thought it was probably going to be a feature. Um, but it just started out quite small in terms of the idea, like um, I just had the very small ideas. Um, and then I guess, I don't know, there's just a lot of sitting around the notebooks and like writing down ideas um, and doing a bit of like early research. And, and also I had a producer, so I was like, I find it really useful to sit down with my producer and like throw ideas around um, a little bit and like things would come out of that and then I'd add to the story and I and I, like similarly to Lucy like with the character thing I was really interested in my main character who I wanted to be this young girl who was really passionate about gymnastics and had this brother who arrived in her life um, and I was really also really interested in this brother character so I just sort of really started to think about them a lot um, and I think a big thing for me was when I realized that I wanted it to be that the, the main character the girl had a brother that she didn't know existed like turn up in her life and that interested me so much that idea 
and I would just sort of really think about and throw around ideas as to how that would feel and um, just continue to create images. I think I'm quite imagey when I'm coming up with stories. So I'll just like, I'll think of scenes or like I think of an image and then sort of write them down. And, and it's really just about layering it up and um, trying to connect the dots between these things uh, until there's something that resembles uh, a film, you know. Right, yeah, connecting the dots, Lucy. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, struck, as I said, by this this character who's in her sort of late thirties when when we joined the story, but also um, flipping a relationship with a teenage daughter, which is basically the core relationship of the film, like that drives all the decisions and the changes and all of that narrative stuff. Um, so sort of flipping that and making it that the teenage daughter is, oh, she's rebellious and all that, but she's kind of the strong one, and particularly physically, but also kind of mentally. So. Um, that I thought was fascinating. And similarly to what Eva just said, like I, there were some key moments, um, uh, like some key visuals that I kind of was really struck by and wanted to um, sort of frame some, definitely find a spine for the visuals in the narrative, which was really useful. But um, there, there's intentionally quite a lot of repetition in the film just because that's the nature of like any kind of compulsive behavior. So I wanted to play on that and like, elaborate it and use repetition. The strong seam of the kind of unconventional running through through both your works, certainly in, in relation to, to families and, and especially Lucy with the, the the kind of unconventional relationship and dynamics within the three sort of generations of those female characters, you know, and, yeah. and it's a very it's a very real thing. It, it almost it didn't, you know, any anticipation that a particular beat was coming was kind of almost sidestepped at each opportunity, you know. Yeah, um, I I really enjoy kind of doing that and like taking an expectation and, and messing around with it because obviously that's where the really interesting stories lie. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, but um, yeah, that but it was quite a long like the the script development stage was quite long. I think it was about eighteen months. Um, it wasn't that long, I suppose, in the scheme of things, but it felt long. <laughs> I don't know how Eva felt, but it felt like it was going on for quite a long time. Long. Uh, long. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think people get a bit fatigued with development um, just because, you know, you're you're with something so close and then you, you know, often by the end of this, the process, you're sort of feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is actually any better or if it's just different. Yeah. Um so that by that stage, you're like, yeah, you kind of need to just go and shoot this thing because, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. um, yeah I, I suppose that's that's a good area to to move on to talking about that process of development. I mean, for for those of us that aren't, you know, writing feature films, we you get this idea that I suppose we could be forgiven for thinking that you know we you've got the writer sitting tapping away, get to the point where they think, okay, I can present you with the script and off you go, and and that that will you know take care of that side of things. Not the case, I guess. Talk us through uh, the the sort of you know the rise and fall, if you will, Eva, of the um, of the development process. You know, I mean, oh my god, it is just so full on. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. Like it's such a weird and arduous process. I, I find personally, and obviously with Perfect Ten, it was um, my first feature, so it, it it was like a jump. I'd done quite a lot of short films. And then it was a jump to a feature. And I find whenever, obviously, you move on to something bigger or a new kind of narrative, it's harder, you know, because you're kind of learning, even though you know a bit about feature structure before. So it was really, um, really tough, actually. And um, 
I was lucky I was on a, a development program called ISEEC, which is similar to the one that Lucy was on. And um, what was good about that was that there was this structure, which I really need as a writer. Like, so there's these uh, deadlines um, that you would have to reach. So, you know, I think when we applied, we had a treatment. I'd written with my, uh, alongside my producer and we submitted it. And then we went from treatment to a final script. I mean, I, I, I lost track of how long it took, but it took a long time, probably about 18 months, I'd say. And there's these, when we were on the program itself, like up until the point where I knew I'd make the film, there's maybe three or four different kind of deadlines. And those would be preceded by a development workshop, which was really useful. And we'd also get access to script editors, all really useful. Um, but then in between the time where I was with people, which I really like, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm trained as a director and directing is my thing really. And I'm a sociable person. So all that stuff with people I, I, I'm really into. Um, when it comes to writing and being on my own, I do like to be on my own, but not for like too long. Mm. And um, so, you know, there's all that social time, you're chatting to people about ideas and throwing ideas around, but then it comes to the point where you really do have to sit down and create some routine and try and write this bloody thing. Um, so it was just, uh, yeah, it's just trying to get to the next draft stage. And I think what's really useful about those deadlines is that you have a deadline, you submit it, and then you get a series of feedback, which is really good. Um, because then you can go to your next draft and sort of reassess the script. I did find it hard because it was quite a complex film in that this kind of, it's a family drama, but then there's also this whole thread of gymnastics in it. There's yeah. also the whole thread of crime and motorbikes. And I'm naturally someone who likes really simple narratives and actually there's quite a lot going on there. Yeah. So a huge amount of the, the task of writing it was just to try and get these elements uh, into a simple story. And that took a long time. So I went down a lot of rabbit holes and like turning it into a classic sports film or which I'm not really into. And also like a sort of weird crime genre film, which I'm also not really into. Uh, and that was, you know, it was good. Every deadline, I'd almost create a new version of the script. And then at some point I was like, okay, no, I really need to simplify this. And I um, made it much more simple and just focused on the family and the relationship between the brother and sister. But that, I mean, that sounds simple, but it, it, I mean, it really, really wasn't. It took a, a long time and a lot of... Um, here sometimes and like chatting to people and like really trying to work out what's at the heart of this film. Yeah. How about your experience, Lucy? Um, I mean, I, I probably was, I was reasonably confident as a writer because I'd done my undergraduate degree in writing. I'd written a novel. I was, you know, but I think in turn, and I'd done some short films as well as a writer director. So I was kind of coming, I always came at the filmmaking thing more from as a writer, I would say. But having said that, um, yeah, the development process really pushes you because it's it's just so many brains, like really and really bright brains <laughs> from like the BFI and BBC, and they're all like they're looking at your story and you're you're having to explain your story a lot, and um, that's really useful. Um, but it's also quite scary, and it's also can if you're as a first timer, I think you know there's a lot of insecurity that was into it, and you're like you know what we do is a high stakes art form. It's really expensive to make a film. Everyone knows that, so you fight. You just you, I think I went into a stage of like second guessing everything, and then writing drafts to please to appease certain notes. But then at a, at a really good stage, I think I just got to the point where I'd written so many versions that I just knew I had to kind of go back to what I knew to be the truth of the character and her story. Um, and that really helped because there were so many variations of that by this point that I knew, and I knew they weren't right. Okay. So um, 
that was uh, but that was <laughs> that was quite a protracted process but um yeah and I think film London I have to say were really awesome at just sort of saying you know this is it's your story you know what, what you know really and it's your break you know this is your this is your sort of declaration of who you are I guess as a writer director you know it's your first feature so you're like okay well what am I trying to say and I, I'm glad I went with the instincts I went with it's because it is quite a tough film but um, I think it's quite a brave film and um, and so that that is something that I I, I feel proud of now um, because it is quite a long time since I shot it which is, is strange um, but uh, yeah I think that's all Lucy, tell me, you, you, you know you mentioned that business of kind of you know going off and writing in response to maybe you know yeah. the feedback you've had and so on and then finding yourself yeah. in a position where maybe what you were writing at that point was maybe what other people wanted or other yeah. people suggested rather than than what you know you felt was 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 your right I mean that takes a that takes a certain degree of confidence when you talk about you know you mentioned confidence there it takes a degree of confidence for you to go do you know what I'm going to do this the way I wanted to do it what was it was there a penny drop moment for you there um I think it was to do I'm not sure if you've seen the film and I don't want to spoil it but it was to do with there was always a struggle with this is a difficult film and it's about a mental illness that's really complicated and nuanced and it's often experienced by high achieving people and you know there's it, it but it's quite poorly understood so there's that whole thing there's like a kind of educational aspect to it but you're like I don't want to write a film to like you know teach people about you know um so there was a, and there was a lot of fear around like the ending and how you know because it's really sensitive stuff yeah. um so that I think was really buzzing away in my little head <laughs> quite a lot of the time you know you can't help it but um I think later stage development because I'd done a lot of research I'd we got some extra funding from the Wellcome Trust the Wellcome Trust are amazing they do a lot of science scientific research um and they their engagement fund gave us some funding to just like go and go do some field trips to eating disorder clinics and talk to people like older people that had experienced it um and I just knew that like my story was I wanted it I wanted to root it in that and it wasn't like you know I it was never supposed to be this kind of you know one size fits all narrative and you know the narrative arc and then it, you know everyone comes out smiling at the end yeah, yeah. you know because that's just not me you know and also I'm Scottish of course that's not me so like um yeah, that so yeah, but that I think there had to be all the layers of exploration first to feel fully confident that those decisions were justified. Okay. Yeah, great. How about you, Eva? How rigorously did you stick to your to your script? I mean, did you find yourself off in territory that you reversed back from? Um, I mean, it all went kind of all over the place in development because um, yeah. I was just really trying to work things out. Although when I say that, it went all over the place, but there were some things that were always like real touchstones for me. For instance. Um, like I always knew I wanted it to be a positive ending it was always really important to me and that maybe like early in the day some people were saying oh you know I really feel like something more more like basically someone should die you know <laughs> that was kind of like the idea and I, I was really 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 sad that that definitely shouldn't happen so I think it's always really important to her you know things can change yeah. but you always got to know what tone your script is going to be I think that's super important and also I find like knowing where your end point is is really important. Like, you know, what kind of ending it's going to be. Um, I think those two things are really important. So I always kind of knew those, but it was just about, and I knew what the set kind of the setup was from very early on, but it was just getting from that setup to this end really yeah. um, was a tricky bit. I think a really important thing, thing for me was learning about midpoints. Like I really, I mean, I really 
didn't have any script writing training uh, in terms of feature scripts before. But um, kind of I'm starting to understand how important a midpoint can be. And there's all kinds of different ways you can, all kinds of different midpoints you can have, or some people don't, you know, use them at all. But it was just like that sense of, it's such a terrifying length, a feature length, because it's like 90 minutes, 100 minutes, whatever. And to feel, to start to understand those structural points a bit more really calmed me down a little bit because I was like, okay, it's not just one big blob of the story. There's these, there's, there's peaks and falls and things change. And that was really interesting to me to, to start to understand that. Can I, you, you raise an interesting point. You know, you had the end, you had a, an idea of, of the ending in mind. Was that, was that common to you as well, Lucy? Yes. I definitely had a strong idea of the end and I had a strong idea of totem. So that's actually very, yeah, very much a reflection of my experience. And was that- Middle, middle, middle is hard to get right. I think that's where a lot of writers yeah. fall that because it's, there's so many things coming to a head and managing, you know, character drive and pop, pop, uh, story points that, yeah, that's, that's really where the tough bit is. Was the ending in your head when you started? I mean, did you know that you were getting to that ending? I kind of knew roughly what it, I knew what the feeling was going to be at the end, which was a sort of positive vibe, you know, positive in relation to gymnastics. I wanted it to be this positive thing and I wanted it to be some kind of performance at the end. Um, but I didn't know exactly what kind of performance that would be. Um, and I knew I wanted some kind of resolution between the brother and sister that wasn't this kind of very cheesy yeah. thing where everything's totally okay because... Yeah you know, life isn't really like that. So there's a positivity towards ending, but it's not this complex, you know. I think the simplicity of- and, Yeah, I, I guess I knew that from very young. With, without, without wanting to give it away for anyone who maybe mm. hasn't seen, because uh, we've got quite a lot of, 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 of folk watching in on us tonight. Um, I thought the simplicity of your ending was actually really, um, I, I, I actually found it quite emotionally stirring, the, 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 the final scene in, in oh, your- good. Um, and, and because it was so simple and because of that sort of step that it had taken, you know, 20 minutes beforehand where, you know, I was actually, I found myself going, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good, yeah. the, the, and, you know, and the, the, the tension in that, in that particular scene uh, is so fantastically drawn out and they both acted it so brilliantly, I thought. Um, and, and, and similarly, Lucy, with, with, with the ending, again, not to put too fine a point on it, but I don't know when the last time was that I felt so transfixed by such a very, very simple uh, piece of cinematography. I Thank was you. staring at that moment at the end thinking, no. I know. I no. know. <laughs> no. And I, and I, I, and I found myself almost peering deeper and deeper into it, you know, so uh, both, both really beautiful, beautiful, simple. Uh, conclusions that I think pack a, real, pack a real punch one way or another. Um, working collaboratively has its 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 um, its, its challenges. Um, without throwing anyone under the bus, obviously, or throw you know throw folk under the bus if you want. You know you've got a platform here tonight. Um, what what were the difficulties in working collaboratively? What what were the challenges there? Um. I'm so sorry. I should correct that question because we're not sitting in a room. We are indeed on uh, Zoom, Lucy. Um, I think sometimes, I mean, I actually didn't experience this, but I know from talking to a lot of other people that the problems arise when people aren't actually trying to make the same film. And I think that can be a, a common thing between like producers and, and creatives and they don't, they aren't actually really seeing things in the same way. Um, in terms of working with Dan and Jeanette, who are my producers, um, I think 
our story development relationship was pretty good. What tested us, I think, is fair to say, was the production on a low budget. Um, just not just the stress that that put everyone under. Um, you know, we shot the film in a really short space of time, and and we had a lot of locations and. Um, that you know that puts pressure on everyone because you, and you don't have as much time to, you know the actors don't have as much time as they want on camera like you don't have as much time to do anything and um, it yeah it was a really really tough shoot so that I mean you know I think but I think it's, again it's really common for first time for debut films like that that relationship's really difficult because everyone's learning and no one's doing no one's like Steven Spielberg, you know, everyone's messing up in their own little ways and that's fine. But when you're doing it in such a high, what feels like the highest possible state scenario and it's like, oh, it's my my debut feature film and you're like, oh God, you know, things go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I, I won't, I mean, I think I just, like, I don't, I couldn't ever do a, a, a film of that budget again. I wouldn't put myself through it. Yeah. But I know now the, the lessons I took from that are going to stay with me forever and that's amazing so it's really challenging I think every everyone who ever makes a feature film comes out of it saying oh god I'm never doing that again but then you know a year or two passes and you're like right come on you know because it's just that thing it takes so much out of you I'm sure Eva can attest to that but um you know uh so yeah it was stressful on those key relationships but I also had a lot of people like all my H2Ds were amazing they went so far above and beyond whatever what they needed to do for a tiny budget film that I'm like kind of you know and that's that's I mean that's brilliant um and my actors were also fab great uh Eva mm -hmm. how about you what were the what were the challenges in a collaborative sense well um yeah I mean similarly to Lucy like Biggest challenges are transferring it from script to screen, 100%. Um, you know, trying to preserve the integrity of your script, you know, because you obviously, you, you write the script, but then if you're the writing director, you're also trying to preserve what you've written on, on the screen. So I think that was probably the most challenging thing was to get everyone onto the same page um, with how I wanted to make it. And there was some pushback against that kind of stuff, but it's just about discussing it and, and kind of trying to make it clear why some things are really important um, because I was working with first time actors, you know, just decisions to cast first time actors who are going to be doing some dialogue improvisation is a risky one and like shooting some of the stuff in order, not all of it, but some of the main scenes in order. All that stuff is production stuff, but it's also script stuff because that impacts how the script transfers to screen. We did have a, a low budget, you know, um, relatively low budget, especially since we had some big elements in it, like gymnastics and motorbikes and kids and stuff. And so yeah. just trying to make sure that that budget supported all the things that were really essential. Because lots of things you have to lose when you make a, a film on a low budget, and that's fine. But it's just trying to push for the things that were, that were really important was, was difficult. Um, in terms of developing the script, um, I think I was really well supported in general, um, especially one of my producers, Valentina, um, the Bureau, like she was really nurturing of me and like um, gave me a lot of support, a lot of time. And got me some really good script editors. I, I find script editors so useful if you get the, the right one. I didn't really understand what it meant before. And I, 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 maybe I don't quite understand still what, it, what they are because I think they're also different script editors. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I had um, two particularly good ones. Um, uh, a guy, uh, Nico Mintinger, who wrote a really great feature for, called Daphne um, and also one of my ex-tutors, Ian Sellers, and they were just, at different points, they just came on board and were just so supportive and so nice. 
and just let me sort of talk out everything out and talk out my worries about it and would either like you know have suggestions for me or just like ask me some really good questions and that was really good um and also we had a lovely exec producer um uh, i think it's called zarana pickett who was so lovely and she was like such a great sounding board sometimes and sometimes you just it's like very lonely writing a, a script sometimes and especially when it's your first feature you know you're going to direct sometimes you just need someone to say it's really good what you've done you know yeah. um because you know it can sometimes just feel a bit scary and like what the hell am I doing yeah. so sometimes I would send that to her and she'd be like oh this is one she's so good at being like this is wonderful you know and then she'd give yeah. you some feedback you know give you the because you sometimes just need someone to be really supportive of you so I think that was yeah. um really helpful you know so I think if, if you are producers watching uh, I think you know especially if you're working with first-time future directors obviously you have to critique and give feedback and everything but also it's so important to nurture people because it can be quite a lonely and scary time well, was there anything in that in the process of the edit that, that, that came about in that collaborative and those collaborative relationships that actually changed anything significant about either of your films, Lucy? Um, I think again, like the key stuff stayed, but emphasis. I mean, you know, I love editing, and I think I love editing because it's quite similar to writing in terms of just the environment. It's like you know, this, you can laugh about the stress of production, you're, you feel very far away from it, you're in a nice cosy room with a latte or whatever, and you're, you know, thinking about shots that you've got. So it's a very nice, I find, I find production very stressful, I mean, it is very stressful. So, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing to me, because I'd never had an editor working as I was shooting before, and uh, so I once we finished, I went on holiday because, you know, I really needed a break. And then I came back and she'd already done like a very loose cut of the film. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because at least then, you know, it works um, yeah. and mechanically. And then we went through and unpicked stuff and I watched all the rushes and I fiddled with things. And I did some little bits and pieces on my own and showed her. And then we, you know, we found our rhythm um, and we found our common like language, really. So um there were some discoveries in the edit. There were some emphasis moments. There's obviously, there's, you know, everyone knows there's scenes you lose. There's things that you just don't need. And it becomes more slimline and, and I think it became a bit more elegant. It became a bit more poetic. And actually that resulted in the name of the film being changed because it was, previous, it was previously called Sicker. But, now, but then after a couple of screenings, because the way we did it with, with Body of Water is you have a couple of screenings of the edit um, to execs like BFI and BBC Films. You go to a cinema, you watch it together and they give you some feedback. And then they were just like, you know, it, it's just become a lot more like, yeah, poetic, really. So yeah. that was why the name got changed, because I actually read that in a poem and, and I thought, oh, that actually fits retroactively, like retrospectively, fits it a lot better. So. Yeah, there's so much that can still change in the edit, um, but it feels it feels a bit safer. And then I, actually, we had to go and do some pickups or um, for you know which which again, um, you know, fed into the overall shape of the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you Eva? You're on mute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so was the question like, did anything change in the edit? Were you saying? Yes. Well, yeah, um, significantly kind of change the feel of the film in a way that, you know, because of that collaborative process that, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily have done or you wouldn't necessarily have envisaged. Um, uh, I guess it changed in the way I expected it roughly. I mean, we had some like uh, screenings in like a cinema space where we yeah. show it to accept. And that was really interesting because you see it differently 
and also the exec see it differently. I think in the early screenings, the execs were like, what, what is this? <laughs> because uh, it was really improvised. We, me and my editor like to edit quite loose at the beginning. And um, so we just like try and, a lot of the film is about like the charm of these young people and like some getting these really nice moments. So it was just about kind of placing those moments. And I think the first cuts were very loose and quite hard to, to understand. Um, and then we sort of go off their reaction and, and just keep on honing it down and down. But it was lovely by the end. Like I think one of the execs cried in the screening and it was just so amazing because they'd been there since the beginning and it had been their feedback which had really uh, pushed us in that direction. So, yeah. Uh, talk to me about the um, process of, of, you know, um, of, of notes and, 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 and again from that collaborative relationship. What, what's a good note and what's a good way to give it? Lucy. A good note is um, specific and kind and constructive. I think a bad note is not constructive or it's just very general or it's or it's not meant in a, in a good spirit. Um, mostly you don't really have to deal with those kinds of comments. But um, yeah, what I find maddening is if people make kind of blanket big statements about, yeah, you know, you just need it to be a bit more like blah. And you're like, well, I've done it a bit, a bit blah, but where, where exactly do you want the blah, you know? Yeah. So um, that I think is my... What, what was there another part to your question? Or was no, that, that was it really. What you know? Okay. What, yeah. What, what, what's a good way? Yeah, a good way to give it, and what's a useful note? I think you've you've kind of answered it really. How about you, Eva? Um, I think a good note takes into account what stage you are at. So yeah. if it's the first draft of the script or first draft in the edit, you need to be aware that it's that. Um, because sometimes people can like give a really negative feedback, not realizing that it's very early early uh, like stages and then that can completely panic you yeah. um especially if you're in an edit actually because you're like oh my god i've shot everything and they think it's rubbish and you're like oh no it's going to be terrible but then it's it's fine because i mean that's only happened a couple of times but a good note is just understanding that and then uh, being encouraging and kind like lucy said but also very pointed as well if something is wrong like it's really important just to say it but just to to be kind as well yeah. and also I think I think um sometimes you do get I think I think I was a little bit sensitive about the early stage development notes because I didn't get that basically these are really professional people and they're not going to like they're not going to give you a nice stroke most of the time they're not going to be like oh well you know well done for doing this blah blah yeah. blah first they're just going to hit you with what's not working and you're like oh my god like it's you know it, it takes a bit of getting used to yeah and then you get the praise at the end of it yeah, well, you yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> not always. <laughs> I, I, there is a thing that probably a lot of people have heard of, like the shit sandwich, um, yeah. which is like, you know, when and I used to, I, I sometimes think, oh, that's so stupid, but I actually think it is quite a good thing to do sometimes. So if you don't know what that is, it's basically like you say a nice thing at the beginning and then you, you say all your criticism in the middle and then you say the nice thing to sum up at the end. And it just kind of protects yeah. people sometimes, but, you know, everyone's different. <laughs> Yeah, and we learn how to we learn how to forget the the stuff in the middle. Uh, hopefully, if we're, if we're resilient enough. Um, uh, both both of your both of your uh, your key characters existed in, in quite um, like I said before unconventional uh, dynamics. Um, Lucy, in particular, yours was dealing with a very sensitive and uh, you know difficult subject for a lot of people. How much research did you have to do in order to to, to ensure that you were handling that story the right way? 
Um, I did an awful lot of research, but I, I wanted to do that research. It was a, a pleasure or an, a, it was a fascination to me to do that. Um, I knew I have experienced eating, disordered eating. I have family members that have, so I, I kind of know what it looks like, but I also, you know, this character is not a real person. So it's like, obviously, you know, I, I wanted to kind of absorb as much as I could about it and then feed it into this fictional world. So, um, yeah, as I said, I, I went to uh, some really uh, important eating disorder clinics, one in Norwich, and they very kindly let me like have a look. And I had some, I have to say, pretty tough conversations with some of the, they were actually both women, but uh, a couple of women that had been in there for the for long term. And also interviewed, um, I, I did some video interviews with some um, some women as well who had experience and some men actually so that really helped um and actually talking to Shan Shan is like is a wonderful actress because she's she asks so many questions like she will say this like she asks so many questions you're like oh god stop asking me questions but that's good and um, but she also went away and did a lot of reading and work and we would have a lot of conversations about like what this character's world was like and why she had got to this point and we did all the backstory so yeah we had really fleshed out all that stuff uh, quite early on uh, in the well in the pre-production stage and um and yeah but she filled in any, any holes i have to say for me just talking to her mm -hmm. Eva, how about you? Were there any particular elements of, of the, the, the world that you were addressing that you felt, you know, you mentioned that you weren't, you know, you, you weren't actually a biker and you weren't actually a gymnast. I mean, how, how deep did you need to get into either of those territories in order to, to, to convincingly portray them? Oh my God, it was, I did so much research in the film. I was exhausted by the, end, by the time I actually got to shooting it. Um, but I really love research. Like I, I really enjoy it. Um, it. As well as that, it's about working class young people and I, I'm not from that background myself so I did a lot of research wanting to know um you know people from Brighton from that background uh, like what their lives were like and um, I wanted to know just like kind of what they did like where they would hang out and like um all that kind of thing um, so I did a lot of work going to the youth clubs and um meeting people who work with young people and just getting to know different people which is really really fun and just like I don't you know I'm not 16 anymore so I wanted yeah. to know what 16 year olds were all about so there was a lot of like, I had a lot of Spotify playlists where like I would, every time I meet a young person, I'd be like, what's your favorite song? And I'd listen to that. And it was really, that was really interesting actually having that musical backdrop and just kind of working out what people were into. And then gymnastics, I went to lots of gymnastics classes, gymnastics clubs and um, uh, competitions and it's such a bizarre world, gymnastics. So I got really immersed in that side of things. Um, and the biker kind of stuff, I, you know, I did, I did like a day where I learned to ride a moped. I didn't actually get my license, but I did a bit of riding, which was really fun. And I did a lot of like <laughs> stopping young guys in the street and being like, hi, can I chat to you about a motorbike? They all thought I was really weird. But I was, it wasn't just to like research, it was also casting because we were trying to cast for our sim actors. But I think by the end of it, because I lived in Brighton, that's why I, I set it in Brighton. So it was really useful because I could just do all of this ad hoc research like all the time. So I think by the end of it, like every you know young guy on a bike knew who I was because right. I was always like chatting to them about it and, and like it was really interesting because I'd find, like ask a lot of people you know where they would ride and like sometimes illegal stuff they'd you know just like dodgy stuff they'd done and it was really interesting because a lot of them would really want to tell me because I didn't have any I just wanted to know what you know I didn't have any interest in getting them in trouble or anything like that 
yeah. so in a way I would find out all these little secrets as to how people would do stuff like I found out how you hotwire a motorbike and all of this stuff which was really helpful to like literally create scenes within the film some of them were created from conversations I had with people so that was really important to me because I didn't I just wanted it to feel like you know it came as a reflection in some way of, of the real world of these things yeah so the next time we see you on a Vespa, we'll know. Yeah, that, you know, it's not mine. We'll know I how you <laughs> <laughs> um, What was the uh, toughest scene uh, that you had to write, Lucy? I mean, I can probably guess for, for both your films, but and if you can tell us that without giving anything away to folk who haven't seen it, then, then do your best. But what was, what was the toughest scene for you? There's quite a lot of tough scenes in my film. Just a little disclaimer, but the, the probably the toughest and the, the one that I found the consistently most moving when I was watching it after was the scene with uh, Amanda, Amanda, the grandmother character and Shan having a confrontation, sort of final talk. Yeah. Um, right, and that, like just the point in this, like there's sort of just this, this fundamental disconnect between these two people and they cannot, like it just cannot be reconciled. And it, it was so moving on this on the set as well everyone like I was really emotional the actors really emotional it was it was like a, so I think sometimes on a set as well yeah I said how tough it is but sometimes there's really magical moments that you're like oh my god like this is like this is special and you're like you feel it and everyone feels it and that's really precious and um, not to sound too you know arrogant but it really like it you know you get that really strong sense of it and then the other one I think was there's several scenes with Shan eating and there's one towards the end that was really tough we only yeah. did two takes of it um but to write it actually it wasn't it sounded much easier than it was to execute so yeah. that wasn't too difficult to write um but yeah the scene with Amanda and Shan for sure and I think that scene if it's the right if it's the same scene I'm thinking about at the the wedding uh, the dress tying on Oh it's, yeah! It's, oh yeah! That scene too. Oh yeah! <laughs> really, I mean that that scene actually. That well, that of course you've got the trying on of the dress as well. There's so many, like you say, but that that particular scene at the wedding, uh, again, acting yeah. without dialogue, and really, you know, quite breathtaking in its impact. I think, um, yeah. and, you know, actually even just to think about it, it's it's quite moving. Um, Eva, uh, how about you? The toughest scene to write. Um, there's obviously some scenes in the film which are like tough to watch, but so actually, funnily enough, some of those ones were were, were not that hard to write. And yeah. um, one of the toughest scenes to write for me definitely was when uh, the main character meets her brother for the first time. So he yeah. kind of she's doing a bit of practice dancing in her house, and then this brother arrives, and I just went over and over and over again the scene for such a long time because that scene was all within the film from very early on in development, where some things came up later on, and it was really hard for me to uh, get it right the way like you would react if suddenly this young man walks into your house saying I'm your brother and mm -hmm. um, so that was really hard and also just trying to get across some detail to the audience which would make it clear some things without being too expositional so for instance the, the boy is her half brother you know she has her own mum who is not alive anymore he has his own mum and his dad just had never had anything to do with him and like, so for instance, getting across the fact that he's a half-brother um, and getting across the fact that he's looked up his dad on Facebook and got in touch and arrived, getting across the fact that he's already met his dad briefly and the dad has given him the keys to the house. Trying to get those little things across is really hard without it just being the character just saying it. Um, that was really tricky. Um, and there's also a big sort of argument scene towards the end of the film between the brother and sister, and that was also really hard 
because it's a really complicated thing that's just happened. Yeah. Um, and just, again, it's just trying to think of the reality of what that would be. That argument scene later on was really helped by a lot of improvisation, like we improvise a lot of the dialogue um, in that scene. Um, but the earlier scene, we did stick very close to the script. Okay. Um, can you both give me in uh, as brief uh, an answer as you possibly can, because we're just about mm -hmm. to move into questions and we do have a few coming in. Um, how long from, from the point where you conceived the idea to the point where you felt like you'd handed over a final draft? How long are we talking? Lucy? You mean a screenplay? Or... Yeah. Okay. I mean, three years, because I had the idea, I had a script that I submitted to Film London that took a while to kind of filter through. So between two and a half to three years, I think. Okay, Eva? Same for me, three years. Yeah. And does that, does, that, does that seem like, you know, to me that seems like a long time to be still engaged in the, the kind of, you know, the craft of, of, of something yeah. that is, is, is stretching out for that length of time. How hard is it to keep your sort of, your, your hooks on it, Eva. Oh, just don't tell yourself it's going to be three years when you start. <laughs> Basically, I think the thing is you've got to tell yourself it's going to be done quickly um, so that you, yeah. you know, and then just things change and you realise it's going to take longer. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I always knew like making a, a feature could be like around five years, something like that. I guess I didn't think it would take that long to, to finish the thing. But at the beginning of the process, that was literally just an idea and talking about that idea. It wasn't like I was just working solely on that for three years. So, yeah. you know, I guess it's not that bad. Okay. Right, folks, uh, thank you very much for your answers to my questions. Uh, we have 11 minutes left and we have six questions um, to, to work through. So, uh, Aaron Carruthers asks, is there a specific genre and or book that you would like to bring to the big screen? Lucy first. I am actually adapting a book at the moment, but I don't know if I can actually say what it is, but it's a dystopia, like futuristic thing. Um, but I'm mostly interested in, I'm interested in loads of different genres. So yeah, but dystopia is obviously the one I'm doing. Yeah, okay. Eva? Um, I just finished reading Shuggy Bane, which I absolutely love. And I know it's, yeah. actually, being, it's actually being made already into a TV series, but if I could like to you know, wave the magic wand, I'd love to write and direct that. I think it's beautiful. Okay. Give us just a, a, a supplementary in the back of Aaron's question there. Um, what, what are the kind of key considerations for adapting, given you're in the process of it, Lucy, we'll throw that one to you. You know, you can't just replicate what's there on the page. What are the key considerations? Um, obviously, they're two very different crafts. Um, the reason I wanted to do this book is because it has very strong visual imagery, it didn't, um, it wasn't, it, it's like, I don't want to make myself sound lazy, but like, it wasn't a massive book. It was quite a slim tome, um, which I think is kind of useful. Um, but obviously the the sort of journey of a, of a film is quite different to, to reading literary. And, and there's things you've got to do like strip back, often dialogue, I find. There's a lot of talking that just you can't, you couldn't have in a film without it being really boring or just, but obviously in literature I can read it and it's fascinating but um so that's a big thing and also film generally speaking and mainstream film tends to rely on characters going on like the narratives we tend to understand are like a character going on a journey and then some sort of change and then that but oftentimes that's not really the same in certain literature so um that those are some of the broad I would say challenges of of adaptation of, of from book to film 
Okay, great. Uh, an anonymous attendee asks, uh, would you ever consider directing someone else's writing and would you also ever consider allowing someone else to direct one of your scripts, Eva? Um, I definitely direct something else someone had written. That would be an absolute joy to direct something else um, because it takes a long time to write. And if it was a really lovely script, that'd be just amazing. Um, I would never write something to someone else simply because it takes me a long time to write and I would be gutted not to direct it at the end. Um, okay, yeah. Lucy? Uh, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm happy to write and give stuff away because I write quite fast. So I do, I have done some commissions just as a screenwriter. But for me, like this, like the really, like the, my heart goes into writing and directing. So I've really got to love something to write and direct it if yeah. that makes sense. But I also would happily like look at directing other people's writing, that's fine. Okay, great. Um, and another anonymous attendee asks, thanks for this evening. Uh, how did you meet your producers? Uh, was this also their first features? And how do you know that they would be a good fit for the project? Um, Lucy. I met Dan at, actually at the Edinburgh Film Festival talent um, no, not the Talent Lab, the other one. It's, um, it's a, the, the, talent, the Edinburgh professor was, was running two labs. One was a Talent Lab, which I did. And then I did the second one, which was when you take a specific project. And I took this project and then I met Dan and socially there, he was there with another project. And we actually, we got on and um, he liked my writing and, and he had co-produced a feature before, but he hadn't had a, a lead producer credit. So he was kind of at a good position to kind of, you know, was sort of aligned. Um, and also just like we got on, I think, you, you know, as I said, like the process is pretty tough on those relationships. So you've got to kind of, yep. you know, get on <laughs> as humans, but sharing taste and obviously, you know, feeling like you're getting, you know, you, you can kind of gel well creatively is, is paramount. Eva? Um, I had attended uh, National Film School with Jacob in the same year, but we hadn't ever worked together before, but I kind of seen what his work and quite enjoyed it and I think vice versa. And then we also got Jay, uh, Bertrand and Valentina from the Bureau, and I was actually already working with them on a different project. Um, and so I just asked them to come on board as well. And yeah, that's how we met. All right. Um, Louise Oliver asks, when talking about midpoints and using structure to find those peaks and troughs, do either of you have a process or thoughts and tips for mapping out structural beats before you write, excluding the creation of the outline or treatment? I, I have a thing that I do quite a lot on films, which I, I do this eight beat thing. Um, it's just my own personal thing, but I sort of I write down one to eight. And I kind of think of one and two is the first act. And I think of three to six is the second act and seven and eight is the final act. It's really basic way to do it. Yep. But it just means it's like breaking down uh, the film into like eight chunks of about, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes. And for me, especially from a short film background, it's really helpful because it just feels like, okay, that's when this happens. And what can, what is really nice, instead of having a huge outline with many, many pages of all your ideas, it's really good to condense what happens in the first 50 minutes of the film into a sentence and put it next to number one. And sometimes you'll have maybe four out of those eight beats, but it's so much nicer just to look at eight little beats like that. Um, and then, and obviously I sort of say at some point, okay, in, in beat four or five or whatever, there's gonna be a midpoint. So I just sort of try and keep it small. I go between uh, micro like that and then macro. So 
So I go from that little eight beat thing and then I go to my big outline and I always go between them because it helps me get my head around it all. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah, I think similarly, I went I went on those sort of, you know, the beat sheet type things, which are two, one or two pages to like the, the longer scripts, etc. It's also helpful, I think, to map your emotions and like how you want the audience to feel at certain points in the story, because you know, that's kind of the currency of, of a film is like, how is it making people feel um, as much as how does it look and how how clever am I, the creative person? Because that, you know, we are writing for an audience. So if you're stuck, it's probably quite useful to just maybe step back and think, well, what do I want an audience to take out of this particular section? And it might, and it should, hopefully it should, it should change. It should kind of be like a, a piece of music, really. That's yeah. how I think about it when I'm struggling. Brilliant. Brilliant, great. Brilliant answers. Thanks, folks. Um, Aaron Carruthers again asks, which screenwriters and film directors inspired you both? Uh, Eva. Um, so many, actually. Like, I watch a lot of films and TV and stuff, and I, I watch a lot of them all over the world and from different time periods. So it's quite an eclectic mix. Like, I always find it hard to come up with names, to be honest. Like, I forget as soon as anyone asks me, everything goes out of my head. I think it's probably the same. Maybe Lucy, you're the same. But um, it's just a broad variety of stuff and like lots of different genres. Like there was a, like a romantic comedy that I, what, like a British romantic comedy that I really enjoyed. And that was like very different tonally from, from Perfect Ten. But I got really excited about the idea of that sort of weird romantic comedy structure on a, like a film like this, you know? So it's just like, I find really eclectic inspiration, basically. Sorry to have no names specifically. Okay. Lucy? Um, I remember when I when I did the early development with the Film London thing, they did this boot camp and Lynn Ramsey was amazingly one of the people there and she said, you've got to watch Safe by Todd Haynes and she was so right. So I took Safe from Todd Haynes. I love that film. Book. It's so good, isn't it? Um, good. Just the framing, the, story, the character, all that, like the complexities of it, really fascinating. So that one. And then um, there's a Chantal Ackerman film from the 70s called uh, Jean Gilman. It's got much more. Oh, I love that film, Lucy. You've got such good taste. Thanks. Did you, repeat, did, you repeat, um, did you repeat that last one? Jean, Jean Dielman, um, it's got a long French name, but the, the name is Jean Dielman and it gives her address. But it's about a woman in, um, in a very domestic setup and it's sort of her repetition, like the sort of re repetition of her behaviours and it's quite, it's got a lot, it's really comprised of long takes. Um, but it's beautiful and it's a classic, so I really urge everyone to watch it just because it's, oh, it's amazing. So um, those two, I think, because I kind of wanted to play with that, those kinds of, um, you know, the shapes of the narratives and so on. So yeah, those two were the main ones, I think. Um, we have two more questions, so I'll ask you one of them each because we have two minutes. So Evelyn Davies, um, who says thank you, it's been an interesting talk. I have a question for Lucy. Well, she's done that part for me. Regarding the research you did uh, for Body of Water, how did the stories you heard from the people you spoke to influence the final film? And how did you balance telling your own story versus incorporating things you learned in the interviews? Um, wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think what it did was it it, it kind of just showed me that this is such a it's, it sounds really trite I don't mean to sound trite but it's like this is such a specific thing and and there's no um there's no real it's not a cause and effect like any kind of mental illness it's like it's such a complex layered thing yeah. and 
it's deeply embedded behavior, especially when you get to the protagonist, Stephanie's age is late thirties, you know, she's kind of almost middle-aged, like she has been living this, this is who she is, it's part, it's part of her identity. And that was definitely something I took from the interviews that I did with women and, and men at, the, at these clinics and beyond, because that, that was just so part of who they were like that. And that to me was so terrible and sad, but not so patronizing, but it's just like, you know, there was one person, I don't want to go on too much because then we're out of time, but there was one person that she'd just basically been in and out of clinic for her whole life and she was my age and, and that really struck a chord. Um, and then, yeah, I guess whenever you're writing personal stuff, you gotta you got to watch how much you want to reveal because you can't take it back. So there's a degree of me in all the characters, but yeah, I wouldn't ever write anything strictly autobiographical. Okay. Uh, Eva, briefly, Mel Neves mm -hmm. asks, do you have any advice for a playwright who's starting to explore screenwriting, dear to being so language-driven and dialogue-heavy as opposed to film being less dialogue, unless you happen to be Aaron Sorkin, she says, uh, driven and more visual-driven? Just watch loads of films. Just, like, watch loads of films from all over the world, all different time periods, and write down what you like about them all. And uh, think visually, you know, like, have a notebook and write down the visual stuff that comes to you, write down bits of dialogue, whatever. And, and then just start building up from there. Maybe try and get a producer or, to help you or a script writing friend or something like that. But just but really immerse yourself in film. Lovely. Excellent. And read the scripts, read the scripts of those films too. Oh yeah, um, that, that's also very good advice. Okay. I know, sorry, I just was like, no, it's no, useful. No, that's fine. Very good advice. Go, Lucy, if you could um, just reveal to our audience uh, the uh, very opposite context that's on your wall behind you there. Oh yeah. I've got the shining posters. I'm in a hotel room in Greece, and one of the yeah, hotel room. All Jack, um, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy poster. <laughs> wow! So on that bombshell, we shall leave it. Uh, thank you to our speakers for Lucy and Eva, and uh, for giving up your time tonight, and also for our audience, and uh, for this wide sharing of knowledge and experience. Um, Thank you very much, folks. You can watch the 2021 BAFTA Scotland Awards Ceremony on the 20th of November at 4.30pm GMT on BAFTA Scotland's social channels. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Please do join the conversation on BAFTA Scotland's social channels. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Thank Bye. you. Thanks, Eva. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Thanks for joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.